When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This is the Fenway Rundown, the premier podcast for all things Boston Red Sox. You know, people harp on the last place thing, but essentially what's important is the record. If the Red Sox want people to start thinking the ownership cares, then maybe they should talk. This is the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live. Here are your hosts, Chris Cotillo and Sean McAdam. Welcome back to the Fenway Rundown podcast, Mass Live's Red Sox show. I'm Chris Cotillo, here with Sean McAdam, and today we are pleased to welcome a special guest onto the show. It's Red Sox pitching coach Andrew Bailey at long last. Andrew was obviously hired after the season to replace Dave Bush. He's been busy with free agent recruitment and trying to get to know everybody on his roster and a lot of different things. It took about a half an hour for us today, and we appreciate the time. You know, guests are a huge part of the show. And we've been crowdsourcing who people want to hear from on our Fenway Rundown Insider text. I'm getting better with the segues every day. Sean, how does one sign up for that? Well, one would simply text the word join to 617-751-6257 and then click on the link to subscribe. You get a 14-day free trial period as a head start. After that, it's $4.99 a month. It gives you the chance to stay current on all Red Sox news year round. And as Chris just noted, not only supply questions for this podcast and uh, trade proposals and comments, but also suggest some guests that we might try to have on. So uh, that's the easiest way to do that. Become part of our insider text community. Andrew Bailey does not subscribe. Maybe he should, but we still appreciate him hopping on today. We're excited to have the new, I don't know if new is the right word because it's been a couple months, but pretty new pitching coach of the Red Sox, Andrew Bailey, on the podcast today. Andrew, I know you have been super busy this winter, so we appreciate you coming on and uh, catching us up on everything you have been up to since taking over. I wanted to start with this. When you started on your intro press conference with us on Zoom a couple months ago, you said you were still locked out of the Red Sox systems. You couldn't get in and, and kind of look at the the infrastructure. I assume you're in the systems now. Um, yeah. What have you What have you learned? What is the biggest thing you've learned as you've kind of looked at this organization from the inside out? And what have your main takeaways been? Yeah, no, totally. Thank, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure. So, um, you know, appreciate the time. And, and yes, have, have access to the systems. I, I remember that day. Uh, my, my family and I were, were taking a vacation to celebrate my mother's retirement. And uh, literally, I think it, it got, it got uh, published that I you know, was hired by the Red Sox and we were taking off. So already like mass text messages coming in. So then 
I landed and there was like 200 some text messages in the Zoom call and we had transportation issues. Um, so uh, that, that day was, uh, was vivid in my mind. But um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the biggest takeaways is, man, there's a lot of talent. Uh, there's a lot of talent here, a lot to be excited about. Um, it's, been, it's been fun getting to know the players uh, as best I can um, over the last couple months. Um, you know, kind of working with the staff um, here as well. We'll be up in, up in Boston next week, which will be exciting, uh, getting ready for spring training. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is there's talent, man. And, and, uh, there's a lot to be excited about. Have your proud, have you gotten a chance to see any pitchers in person? I know there's been a lot of zoom calls, a lot of phone calls, but at this point, has there been any travel to see anybody? Yeah, I was down at Fort Myers, um, you know, so far twice, um, you know, seen, seen a couple pitchers down there. We've had a couple guys, you know, fly in, uh, for certain checkups, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, I've, I've met a handful of pitchers. Uh, we'll be back in Boston next week. Uh, we'll have you know a, a handful, a handful more, uh, and then I'll kind of be back and forth um, to Fort Myers for a few days, back in Connecticut for a couple of days, kind of back and forth until spring training starts. So uh, really be able to to get in touch with everyone. Um, no, but but it's been a lot of a lot of FaceTime, a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of texts, phone calls, that kind of stuff, um, while we kind of um, you know, get, get other things up and running as well. Andrew, your, your history with Craig Breslow is pretty well documented. Um, you've been teammates in a couple of places. You've done some charitable work together, uh, in the off season. I'm wondering what's the dynamic like now that he is chief baseball officer and you are the Red Sox pitching coach. What has that working relationship been like over the last month or so? Yeah, it, it's, it's been fun. Um, you know, I think, you know, um, being able to compete with, you know, someone I consider a friend, um, you know, in the game is, is fun. Um, sitting in the bullpen of, of Fenway as teammates and talking about how he'd be a GM and I'd be a bullpen coach or a pitching coach one day, uh, you know, to put that into, into work, uh, is, is pretty cool. And, and now, we've kind of kind of come back together here uh, to compete um, in different capacity together again. So it's been a lot of fun. I, I think um, for me, I, I hope to be a pillar of support for him um, to be able to confide in uh, on certain things and, and also challenge him on others, you know, keep him <clears throat> keep Craig in line uh, as well. I, I think, I think I have the ability to do that um, can come at it from a different angle and, say, Hey man, you were, you know, you're not seeing it here or, or you know, call it out and, and be, be accountable and, and honest as best I can. And I, I hope that, you know, I know that that's, that's what he expects from me. So um, yeah, while it's all fun and dandy, it's, you know, also having real conversations and um, understanding that there's consequences and um, we got to win games and that's what we're here to do. Um, understanding that you both have two very different jobs with different duties. He's overseeing the entire organization your job is to take care of the pitching at the major league level. So he's got free agent discussions and negotiations. He's got trade talk. He's overseeing affiliates, winter ball, all kinds of stuff. How much um, has he been hands-on with you in terms of uh, the pitching department? I, I imagine that his time is tight and you don't maybe get to speak with him or have his attention as much as you might like, because he's got other things on his list, but um, how involved is he with you uh, in your specific 
field of, of influence here? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, I, I think what's awesome about Craig is, you know, obviously hired me. We, we hired Justin Willard as the director of pitching. Um, and the way we view that relationship is like interchangeable, right? Justin and I are able to share ideas. Um, Justin has a little bit of a different scope than I do as well. Um, but um, it's been so awesome working with Justin. And I think that Craig's goal and and what he wanted to do was hire two people that could collaborate, work together, come from two different lenses to come together to create the Red Sox, you know, pitching philosophy and infrastructure um, where he could be hands off. So while while he's there, he's not, you know, overseeing what we're doing day to day, but he knows we're getting work done. Obviously, we're updating him as, as best we can whenever he asks. But, um, yeah, good work is getting done. And um yeah, he it's he's he's I think it's also important for him to, you know, he's going to be uncomfortable in certain conversations or, um, you know, on the other side of the ball. I don't know. You know, I, I just know him as a pitching guy and and uh, with his history there. And um, but I think understanding that, like his foundation is being taken care of, it, it allows him to go explore the other areas of his of his job. And I think that was really important for him. And returning to the roster side this is going to count as they put you on the spot question it's only oh, january great. yep it's only january 10th it's not march We're starting 28th. opening day yeah exactly no. <laughs> well alex Cora said it was chris sale and unless you rent him for one day i don't think that's going to be the case now um with chris sale out lucas giolito in if the season were to start now knowing that there's still moves to be made probably but how do you envision your starting rotation lining up oh Tough question. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I can't answer that. Uh, to like, I I don't know. Uh, we have a lot of quality pitchers that can do a lot of different things. We've had um, guys in the past go to the bullpen, fill in as starters. Um, so we're building out everybody as starting pitchers. There's going to be healthy competition, um, you know, in spring training upcoming to fight for the for the five spots. Um, obviously, you have you know, guys that, um, you know, have a little bit of a head start there. And, um, uh, but I'd be, I'd be lying if, if I, if I said, I knew what the, the five quote unquote starters look like, um, you know, obviously with Lucas coming in with his, with his leadership, um, you know, and prior performance, um, you know, he comes in with a spot and, um, but you know, there's a lot of other spots up for grabs. And again, we had a lot of guys that, um, did a multitude of roles, um, you know, the game of baseball has changed a lot as well. Um, you know, not saying that we're looking to do um, anything outlandish or in terms of, um, you know, modernize the game in terms of like piggybacks and that kind of stuff. But understanding that there's a lot of versatility on our team, too. And sometimes that can be a strength um, of this of the specific pitcher as well. As you look at some of those guys who are in that boat, obviously, Tanner Hout, Garrett Whitlock. Nick Pavetta bounced back and forth last year. Josh Winkowski, you guys are stretching out. Um, is your philosophy, your mindset that it's always more valuable to have those guys or those types of hybrid guys be candidates to start, be stretched out, all that type of stuff? And, you know, if the chips fall in a way where they're in the bullpen, that's what happens. Like, instead of locking them into that, okay, you're the, you know, seventh inning guy and instead of trying to build up in the middle of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's really important. We, we build out all, our, all of our guys, um, you know, into, into starters, uh, especially through and through the minor, minor leagues as well. Um, never know what you can, can kind of untap there. Um, 
you know, I, I think from a workload perspective, it's also easier to kind of, um, you know, cut down the workload uh, and make like short little sprinters rather than, you know, building them up during the season. So would say from like a health standpoint, it's probably the best way to do it. Um, and also understanding that we have like a long time for spring training to get to those thresholds of innings. So we may right. have targets for 85, 90, 100 pitches, whatever that is for a bunch of guys doesn't mean we'll necessarily get there with each and every one, but we may get a 75 or we may get 80, a uh, couple of guys, you know, whatever that looks like, depending on, you know, recovery and, and um, you know, uh, amount of starts and innings and all of that stuff. So there's a lot in play there. Uh, but yeah, the, the idea is to build all of these guys out for as starters. Giolito, who you just mentioned, um, said in his intro call that, the pitch with you, the Zoom call, all that was was pretty important to him as he made his decision, and he was impressed with what you had to say. I know the game's changed, and the way free agent pursuits are done probably very different than when you played. Um, how much of your job the last few months has been a recruiter, or calling these free agents, or trying to talk to guys and and pitching them on Boston, and just what is that pitch like? Yeah, um, well, definitely want to support the organization, um, AC and, and Craig, and. Um, you know, our analytics department, um, you know, our scouting department, uh, any way I can uh, in, in the recruitment of free agents. So while I'm not on on all calls, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, I'd like to think that I'm on 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 most, if not all of the calls, um, you know, and yeah, I just want to be a, a face and a voice, um, you know, uh, of the organization. Um, you know, I think it's fairly unique that, you know, we have three people within the organization that have won rings in, in Boston, uh, all in different capacities. Um, you know, I rode the coattails a lot of that, but, uh, still have one to show for it. Um, but you know, so we, we know that winning in Boston means a lot to not only the organization, of course, but to the fan base, the city, the region, uh, a region that, you know, I kind of live in, in Connecticut, it's kind of that hybrid region, but, um, yeah, man, winning in Boston is something spectacular. Uh, I also believe that like development at the major league level uh, never stops. Uh, we can always strive to be better. I think as humans, if we ever stop growing into developing and like complacency kind of starts, you know, seeping in where we're just done, um, you know, so players want more players want to get better. Um, so I think in, in Lucas's case uh, specifically, um, here's a guy that's not far removed from being one of the best pitchers in baseball. And um, identifying traits and, and things that have changed uh, and, and putting a plan together uh, ultimately to help him be the best version of himself uh, for this upcoming season uh, and then consistently throughout the season uh, to set him up for, um, you know, his next contract or whatever that looks like, you know, uh, with the organization. So my job is I want to be a consultant to these guys uh, to be a to be a you know a, a pillar of support for them to bring them ideas to bring them thoughts to have conversations of what they like to do to challenge them when we need to uh, to hold them accountable to what they say um, and then ultimately get the best out of them every single time they take the mound uh, to set them up for success um, you know and over a long period of time um, we'll have success and and look if 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 they're having success and getting paid and 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 all that the Red Sox are winning games. Uh, everybody's happy. Andrew, you, you spoke in sort of general terms about your role as a recruiter. We'd like to ask you about one particular trip uh, to Los Angeles that didn't end the way that the organization would have liked. 
what was it like being part of the team that met with Yamamoto in LA? Yeah. Is that out there? I think so. Okay. It is now. Uh, <laughs> what did you say? It definitely is now. If not, um, no, it yeah, is, no, it look is. like I, I, again, I, I, I want to, I want to help support the, uh, the organization any way I can, um, you know, take trips, uh, be on calls, go face to face. Um, I think there's unique cases, um, throughout the course of every year in free agency, uh, even with my previous employer, there's been, um, really interesting free agents. We've been, um, you know, trying to track down and, um, you know, think outside the box on others. Um, you know, and then there's some, you know, obviously the bigger, bigger name free agents that, um, you know, you, you hope as an organization, uh, you, you, they, they choose you as a destination ultimately, but, um, yeah, it's, it's fun, man. I, I think you, everybody dreams, right. We all, we all dream about what a perfect, you know, roster construction would look like, or we should go sign this guy and this guy. And, um, it doesn't always work out. Um, you know, as an organization, we put our best foot forward and, um, we can't tell, you know, a free agent where to sign. And, and ultimately what I think is the most important part is, you know, in Lucas's case, you know, I know this was out there, but, um, when, when we when we put something together, a plan in place to help get a, a pitcher be the to support him to be the best pitcher possible, to be the best version of himself, and that aligns with his thoughts, that's really powerful, right? Like I, I don't want to produce a plan or the organization and, and the people that I work with, we, we don't want to put a plan in place and the, and the pitcher not like that and still come here because we're not seeing eye to eye. So um, there's multitude of reasons for for a lot of different things, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always fun to, uh, be, be a recruiter for sure. What, was there anything eye-opening in particular about the Yamamoto presentation, how the Red Sox are viewed in the far East, the cultural issues? Um, was there anything that, you know, after you were through with that, you're like, Oh, I, I didn't realize that that's how the Red Sox were viewed or anything that you take away from that visit and presentation. No, I mean, I think I think in, in general with with Boston um, and I, I've seen this firsthand, you know, playing with with Daisuke and, and uh, Junichi Tazawa and Koji, of course. Um, and I've, I've been in a fair share of organizations. Um, I don't think that there is a better infrastructure in, in baseball um, than, than the Boston Red Sox um, to to support. Um, Japanese players, um, especially in their transition to um, Major League Baseball. Um, you know, there's there's a litany and a variety of, um, you know, uh, possible reasons why a player or player won't sign uh, in Boston or in any uh, market. Um, and what I'm really proud about is kind of the diversity, the empathy that that we show for uh, Japanese players and understand that it's a life change. It's not just, Hey, come pitch in America or come pitch in major league baseball. It's uproot your family or your support staff. So bringing on extra employees, um, you know, supporting them with, um, you know, food options, um, you know, whatever, whatever that looks like. Um, and there's, there's a, there's a, can be a laundry list too. Um, the Boston Red Sox are, fully uh, accommodating and have worked with, um, you know, uh, a multitude of, of Japanese players and supported in that regard. And I can honestly say it's one of the best in baseball, um, you know, from the medical staff working with um, 
outside personnel, whether it be a Japanese player or, uh, you know, a, a uh, American player or a Latin American player. Um, they, they're amazing at working with kind of third parties, uh, also bringing them in-house as well. Because I think so there's, a lot, there's, there's a lot we can learn from each other, right? So um, if, if a specific pitcher has a pitching coach and he's been with him for a really long time, I think it's probably worthwhile that him and I have a relationship and we can bounce ideas off each other because uh, at the end of the day, we, we definitely don't want diverse, uh, uh, we don't want separation there. Uh, so far, the biggest acquisition from a pitching standpoint the team has made, as you've referenced, is Lucas Giolito, who was um, who has been very successful earlier in his career, struggled the second half of last year and in 22. What do you see with him and what needs to happen to get him to be that guy that he was from, say, 2018 through 2021? And really, the first half of last year with the White Sox, before all the upheaval, um, what do you look at there that you have to accomplish to get him back on track? Yeah, great question. I think, you know, like I said, Lucas isn't far removed from from being one of the most productive pitchers in baseball. And, and that's like to the first half of last year, let alone the years prior where he was, you know, a Cy Young candidate, um, you know, and having some struggles happen, man. I always say it, man. It's pitching at the major league levels, right? Uh, like walking on a tightrope, right? If, if, if we fall and that net is 100 feet underneath of us, all of a sudden it's three starts, four starts, five starts, six starts, a whole half of a season, um, you know, you just feel like you're drowning and you're falling. If we can raise that bar, if we can raise that net um, to 10 feet below the, the tightrope and catch them when they're there with awareness uh, and education and routines uh, and accountability uh, and understanding of what we're trying to do, um, man, it's it's one start, it's a couple innings, it's maybe two starts, it's we want as consistent as possible. So inevitably, when when we do struggle, uh, we're right back up because you know baseball is hard, pitching in baseball is hard, um, and it's 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 uh, so specific to Lucas, man. It's it's helping him with you know some changes that have organically happened over the last couple years, um, fighting himself a little bit. Um, obviously, you know with with the evolution of pitch design, um, you know, and different metrics um, that are around baseball. Um, there's a lot of influence around the league, um, you know, and outside of the league. Um, and like I said at the beginning, we're we're never done developing. Um, so I, I think that there's a certain uh, understanding that we need as a pitcher to understand who you are and what your identity is at the major league level. And for Lucas, that's like deception and a changeup. Uh, it's probably his, his two greatest weapons and tapping back into those, getting those dialed back in, uh, understanding how the arsenal works together and complements um, each pitch is, uh, is really, really valuable. Um, so getting him moving like he did uh, in years prior um, you know, and then tapping into uh, not chasing certain metrics from a pitch design standpoint and getting things honed back in and back into the certain areas is is highly valuable because the way I look at, you know, um, you may not be familiar with what a break chart is, um, but for, for those that do, um, you know, I think that there's like a, it's a kind of like a live ecosystem. So if you chase, say, horizontal break on a slider, 
um, we, we can expect something else to sh- move as well in the arsenal and, and sometimes to the detriment of the pitcher. So all pitch design, all adding shapes and chasing certain metrics uh, in a vacuum isn't necessarily great. It just kind of depends on how you move and what you do. And um, we definitely don't want to knock your t- uh, knock down your strengths at all. Sean just touched on the big addition. I'll touch on the big subtraction. We talked about it as the former opening day starter. But you said in your intro call you're really excited to work with Chris Sale, obviously a guy that's had such a long track record of success, especially before the injuries kicked in. Um, Did you – I know he's on a different team now, but looking at him being healthy and some of the performance down the stretch, were you looking forward to a big bounce-back year from him? And and does he still have, even on – another team, the ceiling to be that guy at this point in his career? Yeah, uh, I, I don't see why not. I mean, Chris Chris was one of the guys I saw in Fort Myers uh, early on. Um, you know, I was looking forward to, to building that relationship and, and wish him all the best and, and think he's going to excel in, in, in Atlanta. I really do. I, I, I The best case scenario is both parties win the trade, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think like that's what's great for the game of baseball. And Currently, I would assume that the, the, the deal was made because right now that that benefits uh, our side of what, what we got. So for Chris, I, I think there's a ton of upside. Um, I think there he can still be the best version of himself. Um, he's had flashes of that recently. Um, you know, health has always been been a big, uh, a big, big issue recently. Uh, he's healthy. He's in a great mindset. And you know, totally wish him, wish him all the best. And yeah, I would expect, you know, a, a really quality season um, from him this upcoming season. You you guys have also added some other arms to the organization through trade, through the rule five, one free agent signing, Isaiah Campbell, Max Castillo, Cooper Criswell. Um, go, the list goes on. Justin Slayton, Greg Weissert. Obviously, a lot of those guys profile as depth. There's some guys who can start or relieve in that mix. Is there an overarching theme of, of why those guys were intriguing, or do any of those guys stand out to you as guys you really think could make an impact with a couple of tweaks? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in short, yeah, all, all of them for sure. Uh, I think that there's certain certain um, I, uh, qualities in, in, each, in each pitcher that um, are reasons why we – uh, wanted to acquire them, whether it be their slider profile, their their fastball, um, certain tweaks we could we or adjustments we could make to to help make them the best versions of themselves. But yeah, I mean, I think you know Weissert and and, um, and Campbell. Um, I think Criswell is very intriguing. Um, you know, he's he's currently killing it this offseason. I'm really excited with where he's at. Um, you know, Slayton's an interesting one, man. He dominated the fall league. Uh, and had a really good uh, year last year uh, in Texas uh, as a Rule Five. Obviously, you know Rule Five picks are are a little different. Um, there's a little bit of urgency there, um, you know, and it and it's hard uh, to stay on a roster, you know, all season long. But uh, he's a he's a very capable reliever um, and and can play for a long time. So again, the opportunity is here for guys to come in and and take take the job um, that's in front of them and. Uh, there's reasons why we liked all of them. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited with the acquisitions. Um, you know, I think Campbell is a very unique pitcher uh, and, and and expect big things from all of them. You spoke earlier, um, Andrew, about sort of the changing nature of pitching and, you know, how people look at it differently than they did even 10 or 12 years ago. One of those evolutions is that, 
in some cases with some organizations, the closer isn't as emphasized. It isn't that necessarily that every team needs to have that lockdown guy who's going to get the ball in every save situation. For now, at least, you have one of those guys in Kenley Jansen. What's your philosophy about the ninth inning and the importance of having that experienced guy? Or are you open, given different circumstances, to maybe rotating different guys through there, moving the your prototypical ninth inning into a high-leverage situation if it happens in the seventh or eighth? How do you view the modern closer role, I guess? Yeah, uh, and this is this is coming from you know a former closer myself uh, as well. That yeah, I was pretty stubborn with with my roles, so to say, here and there. But um, yeah, I I think that it's uh, versatility is is huge. I I think that you know having a bona fide closer is you know is awesome. Someone that you can count on to go out there and shut the door, and you know the game the game's won. Um, obviously, we all know the leverage doesn't come always in the ninth. Um, I also think about that closer's teammates um, and setting them up for success. So, you know, if you have a lefty that, you know, we know left on left is the toughest matchup in baseball. Like why, why would you deploy a right-hander through there just because he's tabbed the seventh inning guy or the eighth inning guy when it's probably not setting him up for success and it probably sets up his teammate for success better and ultimately the team, because at the end of the day, we need to win every single game uh, and we're going to put our guys in positions to succeed every single night. So I don't necessarily believe that you need a bona fide closer. Uh, I think that having a litany of pitchers that can pitch in leverage is huge. Um, setting them up for success is priority uh, because if we put them in position positions to succeed and they succeed, uh, the team succeeds. So maximizing um, those, those exposures are big. Um, and then it comes down to communication. So uh, I pride myself on communication. Uh, you know, I over communicate at some times, but uh, I definitely want our guys to know the parts of the game and the parts of, or the pockets of the lineup that we are uh, forecasting them that we're going to, you know, have them come into the game or attack, um, you know, and it just takes communication. So Generally speaking, guys, guys are going to be aware of the, the pockets of lineup that we're, we're trying to uh, have them match up against the part of the game. You know, if there's a if there's a righty starter and you're the first lefty in, this is this is when you can suspect. And my goal is that, you know, if, if relievers hit 70 games, um, 70 to 80 games a year, um, they know exactly and we, we, we know exactly when we're going to deploy them and they know, and they're well, well aware of that 80% of the time there's, there's going to be 15 to 20 games where it's baseball. It's a live sport. You're going to be in a crazy situation because that's just the way it happens. But if we can have direct, honest communication, um, you know, I'm going to share that with you. And all I ask is return is, is some flexibility. Um, not going to nail it all the time, but generally speaking, no, I don't think that like the closer, um, you need to have a, a quote unquote closer. Now in San Francisco, we had Camilo Duvall. Obviously here we have Kenley Jansen. So it's a little bit different, but philosophically wise, no, uh, in, in actuality, uh, there's a lot of value to it. And it's, I, I'm sure as a manager, it's, it's easy to get through eight and just be like, hey, I got my guy down here. So, um, it's a luxury and, um, but also think that there's a pathway to, to win games with, without one. Um, you know, but having Kenley is, is, is nice to have a reliable piece back there that 
you know, you know, the, the game's in good hands. So I've never, I've never managed a game, but I can imagine that that's a nice, uh, nice cherry on top. You know what? Kenley got out of his system the one pitch blown save against you and, and the Giants last year. So I don't think you have to worry about that that happening again. Andrew, we appreciate the time, uh, and I know that fans enjoyed the discussion too. We'll see you next week for uh, winter weekend, I assume, and then spring training in a few weeks. But thanks. Yeah, no problem. Anytime, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks again to Andrew Bailey for hopping on the Fenway Rundown today. We'll be back tomorrow with our final episode of the week. Sean, one more time, please let the good people know where they can subscribe to the Fenway Rundown Insider Text Program. If you have a New Year's resolution to become more involved in your community, you can get involved in the Red Sox fan community, the Insider Text Program. Text the word JOIN to 617-751-6257, then click the link to subscribe. That comes with a 14-day trial period, and then it's a $4.99 charge, but that is a small price to pay to be part of this community, which forwards us questions, thoughts, and guest suggestions for the podcast. And Sean's promised with a few more subscribers, he's getting that number tattooed. So do your part. This has been the Fenway Rundown, brought to you by Mass Live.